The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began dealing with the question of whether all the elect children of God will hear and believe the gospel. Most of the religious world teaches that in order to go to heaven, a person must hear and believe the gospel. In most cases, according to their teaching, hearing and believing the gospel is a prerequisite to being born again. But is that what the Bible teaches? Actually, the answer is no. In Romans 3, verse 3, the question is asked, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And in verse 4, Paul answers the question, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. You see, God is going to be true to his promise of eternal salvation that he purposed before the world began, regardless of the faith or faithlessness of his children. Don't misunderstand me. Belief is extremely important in the life of a child of God. If a child of God does not believe and trust the gospel, he'll be miserable as he wanders through this wicked world. But thankfully, it's not our faithfulness, but God's that counts. God is going to be faithful in every case. Join us today as we conclude this sermon about whether all the elect will hear and believe the gospel. First, we have a song selection that we hope you enjoy. and Stay tuned for the message following.
It says, you hear the sound thereof. I want to say to you, I've, 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 if a baby is born in nature and doesn't cry, there's something wrong, right? <laughs> I want to say to you this, if a, if, a, if a person is born again by the Spirit and he doesn't say something, something's wrong. <laughs> Uh, I, we don't believe in that old hollow log theory. We believe, that the, we believe that the new birth makes a difference in our lives. It makes a difference. I think about Elder Martin Unyani, our good friend from Africa, who told about the time when it didn't bother him to go out and get drunk and to, to neglect his family and, and, and to do all kinds of wicked things. It didn't bother him at all. And then one day it did. <laughs> One day it did, and it wasn't because he changed his life. It wasn't because he prayed a prayer. It was because the Lord made a difference in his life. He didn't understand it. Later on, he learned what it was. But you see, there's an example. Another example that's from Scripture. Turn back to the first chapter of Luke and read about John the Baptist. John the Baptist leaped for joy in his mother's womb. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy doesn't bring the Spirit. The Spirit brings joy. You don't have joy without the Spirit. Spirit of God born him again in his mother's womb, you see. There's one example. Now that's important because listen to the rest of this verse. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know what that tells us? I, I read this for years, Brother Craig, and I just skipped right over it. I, but that tells me something important. That tells me that... Every single new birth occurs in exactly the same way. In this way or thus or so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That may be on a road to Damascus while you're breathing out threatenings and slaughter. It may be while you're hanging on a cross about to die. It may be in the womb. It may be somewhere else. But the new birth occurs in exactly the same way with everyone, you see. See, there's no exceptions to the new birth. And if I can show you that one example, which we've shown you, of John the Baptist, that it occurred apart from the hearing of the gospel, then we've got to understand that everybody who's born of the Spirit is born apart from the gospel, the operations of the gospel, whether it's hearing it or believing it. So, now that brings us to a second question. So we've asked the question, will all the elect children of God hear the gospel? Okay? And we've I hope, been convinced by Scripture that they won't necessarily. What about all those that hear the gospel? Will they actually believe it? Will all the elect who hear the gospel actually believe it? Remember, remember our text verse tonight? The question was, what if some did not believe? What if some did not believe? The Armenian and the, and the, and the true Calvinist answer this in the same way. They go to hell. That's their answer. If they don't believe, they go to hell. But I, I want to I just kind of fast forward to the end here and give you God's answer. Listen to what it says. I'm thankful he doesn't leave us hanging. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Now, what's he talking about there? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God? of none effect or without effect. Well, what's he talking about the faith of God? Well, let's think about it this way. God purposed to save a people from before the foundation of the world. 
God purposed, he chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world. He sent his son to die on the cross. We read this morning about Romans 8 and verse 29 said, Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Whom he predestinated, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, think about this. God purposed from eternity past to save his people from their sins. He sent Jesus into the world in time to pay their sin debt. He sends the Holy Spirit in time at some point between conception and death to quicken them and he ultimately will bring them home to glory. Now if any one of those fails, if any one of those steps fail, then God is not faithful. The faith of God is without effect. But see that's not what we're taught in the scripture is it? But you say well preacher can't I, can't I negate the faith of God by not having faith myself? I don't think you're as big as God. <laughs> I think God's a little bit bigger than we are. And that's what Paul says here. He says, God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. In other words, God's going to be true to himself. He's going to be true to his purpose. And see, that's what Paul's just been dealing with. If you go back, you know, we say context is everything. Go back to chapter 2 and you read about how, how that uh, even some of those Jews who had the word of God didn't believe in it. And so how can we expect those gen some, the, the Gentiles who did not have the word of God to all believe it? And yet these who haven't heard it are yet children of God. You see, he said the Gentiles, some of them had the law, didn't have the law, verse 14, but they did by nature things contained in the law. And that means they were children of God. That means they show the, verse 15, they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts in the meanwhile accusing or excusing one another. In other words, even during the time when all the oracles of God, all the writings, all the true inspired word of God only lay with the Jews. It was only in the Jewish nation. Even in that time, he had people among the Gentiles who didn't have the law. They hadn't heard the gospel. And yet, they were living it out, you see. They didn't have the law, but they did by nature. Not by natural man nature, but by spiritual man nature. See, they had a new nature, the things contained in the law. See, that's where you come down to, that, that, that's why it's, it's important to understand this. Because that's the only way we can rightly divide passages like Matthew chapter 13 and the parable of the sower and the seed. Because most people in the world, in the religious world, both on the Armenian and the Calvinist side, will tell you that there's one category in that parable of the sower and the seed that's a child of God, only the good ground. And all the other three are not children of God. Well, I'm happy to report to you tonight that all four categories are children of God. Even the wayside. Even those on the wayside. Because if you go read that, we're not going to spend time there tonight. But you go read it. And you'll read that the word of God, when Jesus himself explains it, he explains that the word of God was sown in their heart. I want to say to you, beloved, without any equivocation, that the Word of God can never be sown in the heart of an unregenerated man. That heart's a stony heart. That heart's a cold heart. You can cut him to the heart, but you can't prick him in the heart. You see, that Word of God can't be sown in the heart. And by the way, just another reason to remember, just remember what a parable is. A parable is a made-up story that, is, that, that only means what the person who made it up intends for it to mean. 
And Jesus explains it. And nowhere in his explanation does he mention these are children of God or these are not or how to tell whether one's a child of God or not. In fact, he deals with that, Brother Craig, in the next parable about the parable of the tares and the wheat. And he says, you don't have the qualifications to figure out who's a child of God and who's not. You leave that to me. <laughs> so you see, here we have an, another example, another example that our, some of our dear friends just get so wrong. And we don't need to get this wrong because it's so important. You go back sometime to Mark chapter 10, you read about a rich young ruler who came to Jesus. He came to Jesus, he said, good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, he came running to Jesus. Now, let me just stop there and say, you know, you, you look at that and you can know there's something prompting him. This is a man who's dissatisfied with where he is in life. I think if he had really was satisfied, oh, I've kept the law. I've done everything right. Why is he coming to Jesus? I've, I've got it covered. <laughs> I've got it covered. He knew something was wrong. He knew it because he had been pricked in the heart. He had been born of the Spirit. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he could not save himself. He was under, we might say, under conviction of sin. I'm not afraid of that word as long as we understand what it means. All those who are under conviction of sin have already been born of the Spirit. <laughs> Because that's the only way you'll ever con be convicted of being a sinner. You don't care that you're a sinner. You don't know that you're a sinner. You're not w interested in those things if you've never been born of the Spirit. But anyway, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Good master, what must I do? And Jesus, first of all, I love the way he kind of, almost, I almost sense a grin on his face. He said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. <laughs> I think he's just reminding him right there of, you know, Something's going on in your life already. You ought to, you ought to recognize that. <laughs> you've already seen that I'm, 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 I'm good. You've already, you've already been, uh, your heart has been pricked. Your heart has been uh, attuned to the fact that I really am God. <laughs> I really am the Son of God. You see, and that tells me there another important point, that he's already been born again, you see. He said, go keep the law. He names them. He said, keep them. He said, man, I've done it. <laughs> you know, if he'd really done it, wouldn't he be satisfied? But he, but he hadn't, and Jesus knew it. And Jesus wasn't telling him, you've got to do these things in order to get to heaven. He was just doing what we say all the time, reason out a heresy to its logical conclusion, and it will die a natural death. He's answering him in the way he's thinking. And, so, and that's what we need to do when men ask us questions sometimes. We need to answer them along the lines that they're thinking. Don't, don't you know, shut them down and move somewhere else. Just kind of, okay, let's reason this out. Let's think about it. That's what Jesus is doing there. He said, go sell all you got and come take up your cross and follow me. And he went away sorrowing because he had many great possessions. Our Armenian friends and most of our Calvinist friends will condemn that man to hell. Some will say, oh, well, he must have come back later and repented. But there is not one shred of Bible evidence that he ever did that. Maybe he did. I hope he did. But there's not. That's, if he had wanted us to know that, he'd have told us. But he didn't tell us because he wanted us to get the point that even that that, that young man, Jesus, we're told that Jesus looking upon him loved him. He was one of God's elect children. And he went away sorrowing. He went away in disobedience. And, he, and if he, I want to say to you, child of God, if you go away from Christ in disobedience, you will sorrow for the rest of your life. 
You'll wake up in heaven one day. Praise God. He's faithful like that. Because what if some did not believe? What if the rich young ruler did not believe? Shall his unbelief make the faith of God of none effect or without effect? God forbid. The rich young ruler's in heaven today. Just like Lot is. Just like every single one of God's children will be. Whether they've ever heard the gospel message or not. Because see, that brings us to another question. There's all kind of problems if we believe that you've got to hear it and you've got to believe it in order to really be a child of God. How strongly do you have to believe it? You know, that perseverance doctrine would bear, I, I could preach on it for a whole message and I may do that sometime because I think it's important that we understand that this, this doctrine has afflicted our people and keeps coming back. It keeps coming back around. It's, it's afflicted us in the recent past even in this area. But this idea of perseverance is promoted by, uh, primarily by our, our Calvinist brethren and sister, but some of our Armenians, most of our Armenians too, is a horribly destructive doctrine. It's it, it will tear you up. It will tear up your uh, peace of mind. It will tear up your ability to serve the Lord. You see, one of the things that has been the hallmark of primitive Baptist theology throughout the centuries and Baptists before primitive Baptists was the understanding that there are two different types of salvation in scripture. There's eternal salvation and there's time, what we call time salvation. You can call it temporal salvation. Some people call it blessings and obedience. But there's a difference in eternal salvation that is solely in the hands of God and the timely salvation or timely deliverance that we play a great part in here in our walk on this earth. You cannot understand systematic theology of the Bible without understanding this difference. For example, remember what he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great resurrection chapter, he says, begins that chapter by saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, and he said, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. Wait a minute, you just said... The gospel doesn't save us, right? Well, there's a salvation in the gospel. But listen to this. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. What's he talking about there? I don't have time to get into all of it, but just understand. What he's talking about there is, is that the gospel has a, there's a deliverance in believing the gospel. We've already explained that all the God's elect won't hear the gospel or haven't heard the gospel down through the centuries. And even those who've heard it won't all accept it and be obedient to it, although they ought to. But, all, but, but there is a great deliverance and a great salvation in hearing and believing the gospel, you see. I mean, you think about it. You've heard Brother Luke Hagler preach here before. Brother Luke said that when he believed the wrong gospel, that he had to accept Jesus in order to go to heaven, he said, man, I accepted Jesus a thousand times. <laughs> you know why he kept accepting Jesus over and over? Because he wasn't sure he got it right the first time. And I'll be honest with you, if I thought I had to accept Jesus, I'd keep doing it every time I could think about it. I would try to get it right and keep getting it right, but I'd never have any peace that I did. But you know what I can have in the true gospel? I have salvation. I have deliverance from that. I don't have to be in fear. I don't have to worry if I messed it up, you see. You can go back sometime. We're talking about time salvation and eternal salvation, okay? You go back sometime, you read about... 
a today salvation over in Exodus chapter 14. And over in Exodus chapter 14, it's where they come up against the Red Sea and the Egyptians are behind them. And Moses says in verse 13 to the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. That's not eternal salvation. That's today salvation. He's going to deliver them through the Red Sea from the Egyptians. In the 30th verse of that same chapter, he said, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Salvation is not always talking about in Scripture eternal salvation. I read in 1 Peter 3.21 about a now salvation. That baptism doth now save us. It doesn't eternally save us. It now saves us. You see, there's a difference in eternal and timely salvation. Preacher, why are, you, why are you harping on this? Well, as we bring this to a close, I think it's so important that we understand what's out there and that we understand that, that there's a big problem with not understanding what the gospel does and who and what it means when somebody rejects it or doesn't hear it. The problem with, under, with believing that God is going to get the gospel to every one of his elect children is first of all, it's not true. And that's bad in and of itself. Secondly, it kills evangelistic zeal. I think I've used this example with you before, but um, I'm a Alabama football fan, as you know, and I hope Alabama goes to the national championship again this year. And I hope that over there in January, uh, Brother Rogers, an Auburn football fan, if they go to the national championship, he may be, he'll be just like me, just sitting there in anticipation about January 10th, looking forward to seeing them play. But yet, the Holy Spirit, me particularly as a, as a minister, the Holy Spirit comes upon me and says, Preacher, I want you, on the day they're playing the national championship, to get up out of your home and go to Africa and preach. I want you to go over there and preach, okay? Well, first of all, I ought to go whether, you know, just because God said it. But I could see me, Brother Craig, being the human being that I am, saying, you know, man, I, I really want to go, but I really want to stay home and watch Alabama play football. And you know, Really and truly, if God's got any elect children over there, he's going to get the gospel to them by somebody. Somebody's going to go, so I don't have to. I'll just stay here. You see, the evangelistic zeal that I ought to have, you know, if God puts that kind of burden on me or you or opens a door for us to go through, we ought to go through it because instead of saying, well, I'm just not ready to go through that door, Lord, of opportunity that you've opened. I'm not ready to preach to this person yet, even though you've told me to. But somebody will get to them because you're going to get it to every one of your children, right? No, if I don't go, there may be some of God's sweet, precious sheep over there who are struggling around knowing they've been born again and knowing something's different like Brother Martin Agnani and struggling with that. And he may never hear the good news of the true gospel of the grace of God. Somebody else may get to him with some other message. Somebody else may get to him with some false gospel. But if I don't go, I need to have that zeal that I must go when, I'm, when I've given the opportunity and when the Lord puts the burden upon me. And ultimately, ultimately, it leads to absolutism. I mean, that's where we're headed, right? Because God is going to get that to them. 
He has predestinated for it to happen. <laughs> now, that may not be where everybody goes to initially, but that's a long way down the road towards that ultimate end, you see. And as I said already, most importantly, it's contrary to Scripture. If no other reason, that's the main reason that we shouldn't, we shouldn't preach that. Preacher, why, why, why is it so important? Well, I want you to leave here tonight with no uncertainty about what we believe about this issue. Because we read over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and about verse 8 that if the trumpet make an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? I want you prepared to the battle. I want you to be prepared when the door of opportunity is open to go through it. I want you to understand that God has put upon us the duty as a church and as the members of his church and particularly as the ministry of the church to preach the word to every creature, to go out there and to share it with everyone everywhere we get an opportunity, not trying to get them born again and get to heaven, but trying to get the born again to understand that they're going to heaven. See, that's our job as a church. That's our job. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. When we get it right, when we preach the right message, when we with zeal share the word with those that God gives us an opportunity to share it with, then we're justified in our sayings. And by the way, God's always justified in his judgments. So you see, it's important that we understand that our purpose as a church is to get that gospel out there. It's not gonna change one of the number of the elect of God, but oh, what a difference it may make in some little elect sheep's life who's struggling through this sin-cursed world. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.